Hi, this is Cesar Rubio, and this is Masonic Muscle, episode two. If you listened to my first episode, it was just an introduction as to why I'm doing this podcast. It will evolve over time. And the gist of what I said is, you know, and during this pandem- pandemic, we've all been in the house for far too long. And some of us got out of shape. Some of us severely out of shape. So now that things are opening back up and we're about to get back to our normal lives or whatever that means now, right? Because everybody's different on that. Uh, you know, we need to start thinking about our fitness and we should have been thinking about our fitness from day one. And one of the best things we could have done is to take complete control of our physical fitness and give the body what it needs in order to strengthen your immune system have those thoughts that help to increase your self-esteem and self-reliance confidence in yourself that you're doing everything you possibly can on your side to help fend this thing off and now that we're opening up you know many members are getting all excited to go back to lodge when in fact the very first thing we should have been doing already was getting fit guys get out there did you get out there Get out there, go to work, level up, guys, get fit, hit the weights, go for long walks, run some stairs, do some burpees. I know a lot of you don't like doing burpees, but man, what a great exercise. I do them almost every day. Take action, pull the trigger, guys. You guys are going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You got to get out there, take action, and build up the temple that God gave you And then go back to Lodge, guys. Let's not get that backwards, please. Before we start, I got to put out a little disclaimer. And, you know, just say that what I talk about on this show, especially when it comes to Freemasonry, are my thoughts and my thoughts alone. Uh, Some of them have been shaped through my own personal research private conversations and conversations that I've had with members, non-members within a lodge, outside of lodge and what have you. So this is not a representation or a reflection of what any grand lodge has to say or do. So I'm on my own on this guys. All right. And, and the desire, part of the desire is to stimulate your little lizard brains to ask questions and demand more education in your lodges And if you don't get it, then move on, guys, and do it yourselves or find a bunch of members that are like minded to begin to do this. All right. And this is the call to action, guys. This is a call to action to my friends and brothers to get out there and strengthen their Masonic muscle. As time passes, the mission will become even clearer to you all. I believe that Freemasonry is an educational society. I firmly believe that. And this whole conspiratorial thing about it has some merit because of some of the things that have happened throughout the centuries. But if anybody here has bought and read Jessica Harlan Jacobs' book, Builder of Empire, then you would know that we we no longer have to be conspiratorial about Freemasonry. And why do I say that? Because in her book, she lays down a couple of things of how Freemasonry was used by the British Empire 
and commonwealth. And let me read to you something real quick so you get a better idea. And this is from her book. And what it says is that, uh, well, it, what it does is that it lays out how Freemasonry itself is a feedback mechanism almost to the British Empire and Commonwealth. So when they would go to South Africa, meaning the British Empire, a la Cecil Rhodes, in the Goldfields Lodge of Freemasonry in South Africa, they would use this as a way to integrate the best of men and bring them down to a level where a certain polity can be treated or created. So that's a, that's a big statement. That's a big observation by Jessica Harlan Jacobs, who is a female. I don't know if she's a, you know, from female Freemasonry or part of a co-Masonic lodge or something like that. But what she's saying is that the British Empire, wherever they would go, they would establish these lodges. And then little by little, uh, these lodges would begin to attract, you know, the, the certain members that needed to be attracted to those lodges or they would, I don't know how they would go about doing that. But as soon as they joined the lodges, they began to get immersed in the ideologies of the men who created this lodge. And this happened all around the world during that time. It's not hard to understand, right? It's something that I think we we had a notion of it, but not until she said it like that did we get a, a confirmation of what we were thinking, what we were observing. She just put it into words. Another thing that happens is that it in a lodge, in our lodge, and many lodges all around the United States, the state of meetings are almost entirely focused on paying bills and you know, what charity to donate money to. For all of you guys that are Masons, you guys know what I'm talking about. And this is the majority of the time at, at our lodge. Uh, what we did was after the, you know, the, the ceremony that has to be conducted to open up lodge. And in order for us to be officially open and conduct business, which took about 10 minutes or less, uh, we pretty much had uh, run business within 10 minutes or less because everybody had been talking. Everybody had knows what what needs to be handled. And within 10 minutes, that's done. So now you have 40 minutes to have Masonic education, which we did. And it really worked out to the benefit of everybody. And it was a, uh, we even used an hourglass. I found an hourglass somewhere at a store. I bought it, donated to the lodge. And as soon as the lodge is officially open, the secretary will flip that hourglass over and give us an hour and so uh, when the sands of time run out that's it the master is informed that no more sands of time are in that hourglass and we must proceed to close respecting everybody's time so you brothers can do the same thing guys on to episode two episode two is called the mystery begins where do we start how about 1390 with the Regis Manuscript and what it says. It is in this poem that we first read the word Freemasonry. And it is the first time that it is connected to the seven liberal arts and sciences, and especially geometry, right? And in another manuscript later on in 1610, the Wood Manuscript, which is 32 pages long, it says, you know, and therein proclaiming that Freemasonry has always been associated with grammar, logic, rhetoric, 
arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. And this is an unmistakable reference to the seven liberal arts and sciences. Why are they, why are these stonemasons or some whoever wrote the manuscript going out of their way to try and connect or not try, they did connect Freemasonry with the seven liberal arts and sciences. Why? These stonemasons that were out there building the cathedrals, building the castles for the kings and popes and stuff like that. They're out there and they just know their craft, but for some reason they are being connected to the seven liberal arts and sciences. All right. Uh, we still don't know where the Regis manuscript came out of, but it, it has been dated to 1390 and it describes the duties of a mason and pretty much how to live, you know, the behavior, how to behave in public and private, uh, what you're supposed to attend mass. And when you don't, you know, this is what you do because uh, England at that time was still Catholic. You know, there's, so there was a lot of Catholic monasteries in operation there. Uh, interesting thing and uh, you know synchronicity uh, right before uh, i was getting ready to record this episode i came upon a book called the rule of saint benedict and masonic ritual the origin of masonic usages customs and ritual by alberto moreno moreno and he he doesn't even way to warm us up or get our minds prime pumped for more light he, he just starts giving it to us in the prologue and in the prologue he says this the first reference i found concerning the dead old by freemasonry to the rule of saint benedict was in patrick negrier's le right the ancients divorce old charges 1390 to 1729 the manuscripts of old charges had been studied for more than a century, but the furthest scholars had gone was just to order them by families, taking into account their formal characteristics. However, they had barely penetrated their content. Neither had they analyzed the reasons for the evolution and changes over more than five centuries until Patrick Negrier proved that with the small pocketbook that really came to the crux of the matter, it was possible to advance Masonic historiography much further than with just a long series of merely descriptive studies. In the right the ancient Devore, the French philosopher asserted that the Regis manuscript was a dialogue between Plato's Republic and St. Benedict of Nursia's Regula Monacorum. This assertion was entirely justified since the author of Regis wrote the part of the manuscript alluding to the initiation inspired by a fragment of the Benedictine rule, chapter seven of humility, just as the entire ceremony of old charges followed chapter 18 of the manner of receiving brothers. This aroused my curiosity. So I began to develop an interest in the rule of St. Benedict and its influence on Freemasonry. Wow. So we have Benedictine monks. And when you talk about Benedictine monks, you inevitably talk about the Cistercians. And when you dig deep, deeper, you run into the Knights Templars. And the, the Benedictines had influence on all three of them. As uh, I believe it was uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux that was 
that was uh, pivotal in writing the rule for each one of those, you know, uh, Cistercian and Knights Templars orders. And St. Clarable was, had some very highly mystical ideas and, and highly mystical philosophy for the time. And being a Catholic, you know, I don't know how he worked that out, but it's, you know, it's, that's accepted. Uh, we know this. You study it and you're going to run into this. What I can say is that these men were working their Masonic muscle without even knowing it. But by reading the Regis manuscript, you came away with the feeling that Freemasonry was already a thing somehow. But it is not written anywhere else before 1390. Yeah, you read the, that's where you read the word for the first time, Freemasonry, and then in connection with the seven liberal arts and sciences. So uh, you, you get this weird feeling that, hey, wait a minute, this, this, goes, this goes back further. Where, where is the documentation? And that's where people are getting stuck. The Benedictine monks uh, were walking around England and at this time and building stuff according to what they had learned at the Cathedral of Chartres in France, where it is believed that they were not only learning the art of architecture, but also the seven liberal arts and sciences. And these guys would walk almost everywhere, giving themselves constant opportunities to contemplate the scriptures, the work ahead of them, prayer, their connection to deity, and some of them, the mystery and mastery of brewing beer. Yeah, yeah, brewing beer. And for those of you who don't know, the Benedictine monks of Nursia are some of the greatest brewers of beer in the world. And their beer is excellent, guys. This, uh, and I'm not getting paid by them, uh, you know, but I'm telling you right now, that's some of the best beer I've ever had. Their motto is pray, work, brew. A more inspirational message I cannot think of right now, especially with our heat, you know, 118 down here in the desert. And uh, as a tribute to that, my buddy and I, after working out, we always uh, try to crack open a pint of this Benedictine beer that I get from Total Wine. Again, I'm not even, you know, being, uh, I, I'm not getting any money for, for you know, for promoting these but that's where you get it you get it at total wine you can't get it at bevmo i've tried and they've never had it they have franciscaner beer which is good but a benedictine beer yeah try this uh what happened i got a little distracted with the beer where was i oh yeah oh yeah benedictine monks cistercians knights templars freemasonry British Empire using Freemasonry as a feedback mechanism to help them cultivate the proper mentality wherever they went. Interesting stuff, but we're, we're you know, we're talking about 1390 and we're talk, talking about something very important in that Regis manuscript, right? The word Freemasonry for the first time, but also the seven liberal arts and sciences. And uh, I will revisit this, especially the trivium of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, because the trivium is composed of two elements, right? The trivium and the quadrivium. The trivium is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. The quadrivium are, are the arts that were, you know, in mainly, in mainly uh, practice, being practiced at the time was, you know, arithmetic, uh, geometry, music, and astronomy. Astronomy being at the top of that, uh, of that uh, chain there, of that ladder. And, and when you see a winding staircase and you see those seven liberal arts and sciences you're not going to see geometry at the top 
as you would think, you know, because it, in, a, in the United States, the masonry puts the G inside of the square and compass. So you would think if I see this winding staircase, the seven liberal arts and sciences, well, I'm going to see the G at the top, but it's not. The G is second to the top. The top dog is astronomy, which we also will get back to in future episodes when we talk about Masonic astronomy. Grammar, logic, and rhetoric, when practiced and focused on, it only does one thing, and that strengthens your critical thinking skills. And there are groups around the United States that have been formulating called the Socrates Cafe. It's a great book. If you haven't had a chance, go get it, Socrates Cafe. And it's all about creating these discussion groups that uh, help strengthen critical thinking and helps you to enter discussions in a non-combative way, but to help you strengthen your critical thinking and begin to ask questions. Uh, why this is not emphasized more in lodges and actually practice is beyond me, uh, because when you run upon that, you're like, okay, well, we should, uh, you know, we should be practicing this more. And why don't we? Uh, well, if you, if any of you, if any of you know a man called John Taylor Gatto, or Richard Grove, for that matter. Richard Grove, he is the creator of the tragedyandhope.com website. Uh, he has all kinds of great content, and he interviewed John Taylor Gatto, who was the, like the two-time teacher, New York teacher of the year, and he got fed up with the uh, teaching system and the educational system curriculum, and so he retired, and he wrote an article that came out in the, I believe, Wall Street Journal, and he just caught fire. And then he just went, you know, uh, got called to speak all around the country, all around the world, talking about his insights, what he learned. And he wrote three or four books. And the, you know, the, the biggest one and most important one that he wrote was called the, the Underground History of American Education. Great book, great book. Uh, so later on, I will I will get into the seven liberal arts and sciences and the, the especially the trivium, and also I will discuss uh, an interview that I saw between Richard Grove and Kevin Cole called the Trivium Method versus the Classical Trivium. Uh, that because that was very interesting, and there are some very interesting points that were brought up. But going back to 1390, 1390 is an excellent starting point because you can go you know, 100 to 200 years backward in time and find some incredible connections to the origins of Freemasonry, uh, history, the symbols, or you just move forward from that point in time and see a completely different picture about this topic. Things will certainly open up once we get into some of these books, articles, and documentaries that I will be referring to to help bring some order out of the chaos that is the you know, history of Freemasonry, or if you if you'd like the, the secret origins of Freemasonry and the unwillingness of some of the people and organizations out there to admit certain things about possible origins. This is this just happens. But I will I will call to your attention something that I learned from that Richard Grove, John Taylor Gatto interview. And he talked about something. Uh, he's mentioned the Daughters of the Barons of Runnymede, and it's actually a chapter in his book, The Underground History of American Education. 
And what the daughters of the barons in Runnymede brought to light was that the daughters of those barons had continuously met in secret since 1215. How is this possible? What are they doing? How come nobody else knows about this? And I don't remember how John Taylor Gatto came upon that piece of information, but it, it kind of twisted his mind a little bit because he was skeptical of a lot of these conspiratorial you know, stories. And, and especially a secret societies are out there and they, they've been functioning for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, but now he found living proof. And at the beginning of chapter 12 of his book, which is called Daughters of the Barons of Running Me, chapter 12, is, he, he posted this right at the beginning, membership requirements. Membership in the society is composed of women who are of legal age and he lineal descendant of one or more of the 25 barons selected to enforce the Magna Carta those barons in arms from the date of King John's coronation until June 15th, 1215. Membership is by invitation only. Within the society, there is an order of distinction committee composed of members who trace their ancestry to Knights of the Garter, Ladies of the Garter, and Knights of the Bath. And that's from their charter, Daughters of the Barons of Runnymede. So here he got an indisputable proof that this is possible, that these societies are out there meeting uh, unknown, unknowns to us and doing what? We don't know. We don't know. Just like we didn't know what was in the minutes of the Council on Foreign Relations meetings until Professor Carol Quigley got permission to go in there and study those minutes for over two years he ended up writing a book called Tragedy and Hope, where he laid bare everything that he learned from those minutes. And a lot of that interview that Richard Grove gave to John Taylor Gatto is based on Carol Quigley's work and what he found out and how it has shaped our country you know, all the way since the early 1900s, but especially it, it picked up steam in 1914. And uh, the video, the interview is for free. You can find it on YouTube. It's five hours. You know, it's uh, the ultimate history lesson, a weekend with John Taylor Gatto. And I tell you guys, you, you know, you, you will be forced to question some of these things that you think are, are actually, you know, are real, are fact. But in, in fact, we don't know because we haven't been exposed to this knowledge and in regards to that every year the there's a bunch of documents that are sealed and from our eyes because they put it off as in uh it's for for our protection right these are state secrets and therefore we cannot see them it's for you know national security and and da, da, da. and then and then so we have incomplete information on what they want us to vote on we cannot vote and we cannot give a a uh, a good 
we cannot get a good idea of what we're voting on if all those documents are being, you know, sealed shut due to national security. But then you're asking me to vote on this. I can't. I just can't. So, you know, you can see how this Masonic muscle is isn't going to be uh, unlike any other of these podcasts that you've been listening to when it comes to, you know, Freemasonry. We're going to go, you know, far this way. We're going to go far that way. Uh, not necessarily prescribing to any of these, any of these uh, uh, ideas, uh, you know, or or thoughts, because we need to be exposed to them first in order for us to properly digest them. And and this goes back to another thing that Richard Grove has been advocating about a true education. And what do I mean by that? Well, you, you, in order to get a, a a true education, you have to learn how to critically think you have to have some kind of way of knowing when a lie is being told to you what constitutes a true sentence and then that's through the study of the trivium grammar logic and rhetoric and i will read from you from one of his articles online that you can all get for free it's a free pdf download and it is called let me see if i have an actual well these are notes he calls it these are notes that can be read before or after listening to the trivium and quadrivium podcast from gnostic media these are notes from uh, notes which gino denning provided to jan irvin creator of the gnostic media feature film right and one of the tests that they that will be provided for you according to this right here is one of the several tests to show if an individual is reaching this awakened state of education is when he can thoroughly and critically entertain various ideas without necessarily embracing them, i.e., he comes into possession of a truly open mind. He frees himself from his own opinions and prejudices. How many of us can truly say that we're remotely close to that? Especially now with the hot topics that are out there and they've been out there for this last year. You guys know what I'm talking about. You can't have uh, a discussion without people beginning to take sides immediately, right? And but none of them are showing that they can embrace multiple, you know, that they can uh, entertain various ideas without necessarily embracing them. And this will show because we haven't broken away from our own opinions and prejudices. We want to hold on to them, and I believe that this is part of what Freemasonry was supposed to be teaching us. When you join, you know, you get a lot of this talk, you get a lot of that rhetoric, but I don't know how many of these guys truly believe that. And I don't know how many of these guys uh, provide a platform for that in order for that to happen. And so you can begin to exercise this and join this uh, uh, Socrates Cafe groups that are popping up all over. Uh, because even Plato said and Socrates said that the government's fear a population who is actually thinking, you know, they need us dumbed down to be able to do what they're going to do. And I think all of us know, understand that. And Freemasonry, I believe we were supposed to be doing uh, some of this hard work, the heavy lifting, to be able to free our minds in this way. And uh, we somehow got away from it. I may be wrong. There are other opinions as to what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, when you have the the concept, the prevailing concept right now that Freemasonry can be whatever you want it to be. 
this is part of what's creating the confusion. So, you know, for me, Masonic muscle is strengthening that, that muscle, the, your mind. But also, I love to exercise. And, I've, and like I've told you, I've seen these parallels between the two. Both need you to take action, though. You know, just sitting around and not doing anything is not going to do much. So with that be, being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, episode two of Masonic Muscle. And keep listening. And you'll end up, you'll end up understanding why Masonic Muscle. Get out there, take action, do some burpees, dude. Damn, get do some push-ups, do some bodyweight squats, some, some crunches and pull-ups. Even even a, a basic, you know, a basic routine of of pull-ups, push-ups, and squats, crunches three times a week for 30, 45 minutes. You will be shocked. You will be stunned. So will your friends after three months. And there's another Masonic number, right? Three after three months of a routine like this every monday wednesday and friday and you begin to develop better eating habits drink more water get better rest in three months your transformation will be stunning your transformation when people see you they'll be like what are you doing what the hell how did you do it and the secret you're going to know what the secret is the secret was i got up off my ass and i just started doing it i started pulling the trigger even when i didn't want to because when you don't want to and you go out there and still do it, that's when you build your greatest strength as well. So on behalf of Masonic Muscle, get your ass up and do some push-ups. All right. Peace out.